0: Hello everybody. Happy Wednesday. It is the 19th of January 2022 and I hope that you are killing it in 2022. I am so thrilled that you're here with me and that you've chosen to take this time to connect. It's the name of our ministry so we'll just throw that out there. So I wanted to just get started. I'm gonna play a song here. This is out of all the songs I've ever written, this one is my favorite. It's a song that I wrote in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, it just I was we're sharing. I were there in a hotel uh, waiting to do an event, and I was looking out the window at all the beautiful people, and this song came out, and I love the way it is. So. I'm gonna start playing it live too. Anyway, it's called Beautiful People. a great day when we look in the mirror and realize that all of us are not beautiful people, that Jesus is the only beautiful one that has walked this earth, but by him, we are made beautiful, perfect, and complete. And that's some good stuff. Let me just, uh, Just mention that, um, you know, it's the start of the year. I mean, we're a little bit into it. It is the 19th, but it's not too late to start. uh, Preparing for some good things to come to pass for the year. So let me suggest uh, a little product, promo, here that we have. Uh, My book, Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave, and my workbook and 24-episode video series And so if uh, you're so inclined, I almost said, you ought to, but I'm not a ought to preacher. If you're so inclined to want to go through the workbook and the video series, uh, it coincides with the chapters of the book, kind of, and then the videos are there, uh, one video for each chapter of the workbook. This is available on the website, both of them. I think you can buy them individually. If you already have a copy of this, you can get them individually. But it would be something if you're looking for a study or you want to do a small group study or something like that, that would be a great thing for you to do. So, so excited to start into this portion of the series. You know, we've been talking about my anti-New Year's resolution that I do every year Which basically is, I'm not going to spend the first part of the year focusing on everything that I'm failing at. I'm going to instead focus on the things I am succeeding at and work on the things that I am not succeeding at. But my primary focus is going to be those things that I am succeeding at. And in that, today I want to share a message with you. I want to start this message and I'm kind of calling this the attitude of a victor, because, you know, attitude is the aroma of the spirit, whether you know it or not. I don't know where that came from. I think I made it up. Um, It is the aroma of the spirit, because you can get around somebody that has a funky attitude, and it's almost like... Man, what's that smell? You know, I I can smell that from, I can smell you from over here. Uh, But you can get around somebody that has that attitude, that attitude of the kingdom that's coming out of their heart, that era, that feng shui, and you can just, you just know it. I mean it's evident it's paramount you're attracted to people that have that attitude that have the good attitude the attitude of the of a victor you're repelled from those that don't and many times we don't even know why it's just that there's something unsettling in our spirit in our hearts that says uh, something just ain't quite right and so today and I don't think I don't know if you've heard very many preachers preachers say this to you but I will. I'm preaching this series of messages to myself because these are things that I struggle with and um, things that I, you know, it's like I'm on the cycle. You know, I get on it and then I fall off of it and then I realize it and then I get back on it again and then I fall off it. And then I realize it, and then I get back on it again. You certainly, none of y'all have any problems with that. So today, I'm preaching this to myself. So in the culture that we live in, both inside and outside of the church, both in the sacred and, I don't like using this word, but I will use it, in the sacred and secular cultures that we're in, we are forced into a performance mentality that drives us to discontentment. Advertisers want to create discontentment in our hearts so they can make us feel that if we just had what they were offering them, we would be happy. You know, I was praying this morning. I'm like, Lord, money didn't make me happy. Sex didn't make me happy until I got married. And then, you know, just, you can just go down the list of all these things that the world and even the church at times feeds us that says, Hey, if you just do this, everything's going to be okay. And so around here, we call that a bunch of carp, not the other, not, you know, that's not that one word misspelled. Uh, we call it a bunch of carp. And, uh, you know, The reason why I feel that way is because this whole driving spirit force, whatever you want to call it, of discontentment drives us more and more, deeper and deeper into the sense of lack. So this scripture haunts me when I get into the cycle and I forgot, for a fall off, I forget, but it haunts me. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And we're gonna read, I'm gonna read it in three different translations for you here. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. The Amplified Bible says it like this. But godliness is actually a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Bracket, open bracket. That contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. And I've got another passage here. in in, um, Where did I put that? I know I got it someplace because I remember pasting it in here. Huh, I guess I... Oh, the message is uh, in 1 Timothy 6.6 6 in the message. I had it in here all along. Um, devout, a devout life does not bring wealth, but it is the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. And that is like, that's just some stellar stuff right there. I mean, you can just take that first part of that verse, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And meaning that I have all the riches of the inheritance, which is godliness, yet it's made even better or accelerated when I have contentment. And that equals great gain. Godliness means reverence or respect. Piety towards God, godliness. The root word means to revere or to worship. Which is really, this is the proper definition of having the fear of the Lord. You know, God doesn't want you running around being afraid of him because fear brings torment, and you wouldn't torment your kids, so why do you think God would torment you? He isn't going to do that. But the fear of the Lord is really reverence, awe, uh, respect, you know, all of this to revere, to worship. That's what all of that means. And, you know, so when it says that godliness... First, we have to have this godliness, this sincerity, this reverence, this piety, this respect for God. And that's really, you know, and why do we have that? We have that because first he loved us. And we are drawn, we are motivated by the same things that motivate him. The motive of the gospel is love and God God wants us to be motivated by that same love towards him and that love comes with some incredible power to reverence so we first we it, I believe it's for God but in the context of this verse I believe that we need also that same reverence not the same but the the just the respect or the reverence for those things that we presently have in our life. You know, our verse for the day for the year is um, Exodus 4.2. So the Lord said to him, he's talking to Moses, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. And so that's, that's our verse for Connect Ministries for the year of 2022. What's in your hand? Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. And we need to have a healthy respect, reverence, honor, gratefulness, thankfulness for those things that we have in our hand right now. Because God wants to use those things. But if we're caught up in this cycle and this sense of lack, we will, and driven by the spirit of the culture, both church and, and secular culture, then we are not gonna have the sense that we have of respect and reverence for what we have. We're only gonna see what we don't have. And that, my friend, will get you in some serious, serious trouble. So, you know, it just goes all back to that. What do you have in your hand? How do you feel about it? Are you looking at it with disdain and discontentment? Are you looking at yourself and seeing all of your flaws and all of your failures? Back to the anti-New Year's resolution. Are you looking at all of those things and saying, man, this is just isn't, I'm just not satisfied with that. So if we're cursing what we have, how can we expect increase? It's really just that simple. You know, back in November of... um, 2016, I believe it was, I caught myself, and I probably shared this before, I caught myself uh, in a habit, in a habitual behavioral form that I had formed. And here it is, I would, anytime I would be presented with a project or a challenge, I would first, number one, analyze it as, this is why this won't work. So that was my top of brain, default, okay, somebody would say something to me, hey, you ever try this? And I would say, this is why this won't work. And so I caught myself doing that, and I said, I'm going to change, I'm going to consciously make a change with this. And it took me some practice, you know, I somebody would present me with a question or a challenge or a project or whatever, And I would always start in and say, oh, this is why this won't work. And I'd catch myself and say, okay, let's flip this. How can I make this work? Instead of looking at all the reasons why it would fail, how about we look at some reasons as to why it would succeed? And how about we start believing and acting on those rather than believing on acting on these? How about we look at what's in our hand instead of what isn't? And it really changed, started to change my attitude. Now I still have to practice at it, but it's conscious that I'm working on it, and I'm creating this default response. Okay, how can I make this work? And now my problem is, uh, how can I make this work? And how can I make it work on this big grandiose scale of, you know, all of these things? You know, what I got caught in this the other day because we want to start doing some stuff. In the backyard on Sherry's world famous uh, porch called Picking on the Porch, where we have some people over. Uh, We do kind of a little, you know, impromptu concert. It has some friends over that are other musicians, maybe jam a little bit, do all of these things. And so when I came up with that idea, it's like, okay, how can we make this work? All right, we can do this. We can start doing this. We can get some actually plant some grass in the backyard, which we have been doing the last couple of years. we can get some lights. We can do all these things. We can bring in a video crew. We can bring in an audio crew. We can record all this. We can do all these things. And I'm like, er, time out. How can we do it with what's in our hand right now? And so I had to go back to those things. But if we're if we're cursing what we now have in our hands, how can we expect anything to increase? So anyway, back to my story. So t- November 2000. 16, I had this epiphany, I was going to change my attitude, well, January 2017, I told my friend Frank Hicks, who's the owner of Knuckleheads, a music venue here in Kansas City, I had this idea for this album, that I wanted to take classic country songs from the 50s and 60s that my parents forced me to listen to, that I later came to love, and I want to rearrange them in a blues rock style and call it This Is Blues Country. And Frank went crazy. I mean, he just went... I mean, I was getting four or five emails a day from him going, Hey, what about this song? What about this song? You thought about doing this, all of these things. And so that was January, mid-January, late, or early February. And I had a concert scheduled there in March. And Frank just started announcing that I was releasing an album in March. And I'm like... And I almost flipped back into my old ways going... Well, I can't do that. I don't have a budget. I don't have any money. I don't have any, I haven't had all the arrangements of the song and all this stuff. And I caught myself and said, How can I make this work? So I drugged Terry Hancock in here and set him right over here, put his drums right over here. I called my friend Rick Yord. He came in, he sat right here. I had my recording set up here. I borrowed some microphones. I've never done this before. I borrowed some microphones, I uh, watched a bunch of YouTube videos on how to mic drums and doing all this stuff, and uh, I set up out in my hall, which you can't see over here the doorway, put a microphone out there, and that was the vocal booth, and we started. And so by the time March got here, we had five songs done. Uh, we didn't get the album done, but we tried. So I used what was in my hands. And that's so important for you and I if we're going to be successful, you know. It's like we get caught up looking at what we don't have and it, it just puts in us this spirit of lack. We're always thinking, oh, I can't do this or I'm not qualified for that. i got to have somebody's help. Somebody's got to do all. Oh, I have to have so much money. All of these things and excuses, you know. And we're not content with what we have. We're rather grasping... For what's not there, and it keeps us trapped in this cycle. To me, it makes sense that we bless what we have and believe for it to be multiplied. Godliness in, is our inheritance in Jesus, and it is our positional blessing. And that, you know, it's like I, I made this statement, um, I think it was Sunday. Uh, I said, you know, the promises of God to us are not conditional because we are in Christ. They are positional. So all of his promises are yes and amen to us in Christ. And so the condition of that being met is us being in Christ, which means all of those blessings are, all of those promises are a positional blessing for us. And to me, that is just too cool. So, that's what I have for you tonight. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your blessings on us. Thank you for us. For that, for us. Thank, you, thank you, Lord, that, that godliness is a positional blessing for us. And, and it invokes this contentment in us that we know that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness in him. And Father, we thank you for that. Which means, Lord, we thank you for healing. We thank you for health. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for prosperity. We thank you for for fully functioning, happy relationships. We We thank you for wisdom to raise our kids, to be parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, moms, dads, Lord, thank you that we can be leaders and help other people to experience your love and your grace towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. I will see you all Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.